Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is all about the urge to compare and despair. Now, I have a feeling that something popped into your mind already when I said compare and despair, and this is especially bad in midlife. This tendency causes you so much pain, for sure. So when someone in my community brought it up recently, I went searching in my podcast to link her to an episode for more perspective, and I was shocked to see that I hadn't recorded one yet. (laughs) How about that? So fear not, we'll be going into this whole important topic today. Now, speaking of my community, I wanted to make sure that you knew about Finally First. It's my monthly midlife coaching program where I teach lessons, help you apply the concepts in your life, and am available to mentor and coach you along the way. I'm also there to answer your questions and, just like the whales that I adore, take a deep dive into your thought work so you can finally get unstuck and move forward even now at your age. When you join this special community, you will become what I like to call a first lady. And one thing's for sure, the first lady experience is totally unique and not to be missed. Being with like-minded women is awesome. It's absolutely wonderful to know firsthand that you're not alone. The doors are opening again soon in early October. So if you're curious about how you can finally put yourself first, get on the VIP waitlist now at www.iamfinallyfirst.com so you don't miss a thing. This is a great way to finally get out of your own way Get unstuck and stop wasting time so you can get excited about your life again. All right, let's get into this juicy topic of the day, the topic that I'm sure you are so proud of yourself for doing and feeling, not, (laughs) the topic we like to affectionately refer to as compare and despair. Are you familiar with this phrase? You know me, I like to look things up. So I went to this free dictionary called Wiktionary, and it had a definition of the concept, compare and despair. It defined it as to distress oneself by comparing one's own situation with that of others who seem more successful. So if you didn't have this clear in your head before, you do now. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you have a situation, a person, or a circumstance in mind for when this shows up for you. So here's an example. I definitely have some compare and despair that rears its ugly head when I see people who really, really, really love to cook. Like, you know, food fondlers. I used to blame my lack of interest on my ugly kitchen. (laughs) We had this really weird looking kitchen in our first house. It was a Brady Bunch classic kind of house. But instead of that orange and green melamine action in the Brady's house, in their mid-century home, my mid-century home had yellow and white. Uh, version of that kitchen. And it was so similar in so many ways, except it wasn't cool. It was exceptionally ugly, in my opinion. And we even had two high-end Kohler yellow enameled cast iron sinks to boot. So I had convinced myself that I would enjoy cooking much more when I had a nice kitchen someday. 
Now, of course, I have a beautiful kitchen and I still don't love to cook. I mean, it's okay, but I don't love it. (laughs) So I compare myself to people who love to cook and then I despair and feel bad that I'm not a good enough wife or mom or woman because I don't love to cook like these other women. I also catch myself comparing to another group of people that I've mentioned a couple of times before in the podcast. These evil darlings would be runners in the rain. Um, Now, runners in the rain, when I see them, I would have many, many thoughts. By the way, I've worked on these issues. (laughs) This was all before coaching. But I would have many, many thoughts, judgments and comparisons. I would immediately compare myself to them and think, oh my God, they are so over the top. And that I was not over the top when it came to exercise. But really, I wanted to be more like them, someone who enjoyed regular exercise enough to run in the rain. The despair came in big time because I wouldn't feel good enough about the effort that I made because their effort was bigger and better. In both cases, I created lots of pain for myself. And that's the funny thing about compare and despair. It doesn't usually seem like you're doing anything to yourself other than making commentary either in your head or to your inner circle. But the way you're thinking about the comparison creates a lot of negative feelings for you. You are hurting yourself. You are creating your own feelings with your thoughts. You usually end up telling yourself something about what you think it would mean to be more like that person or to have what they have. That you would be better or happier if you were more like them. And as you can see, especially with the cooking example, you can even feel that you would be more worthy if you were more this other way, if you were more than you are, if you were different than you are. We are so mean to ourselves. Now, I'm sure you sniffed it out already though, right? This is just another example of how your thoughts create your feelings. So if you wanna feel better or different about any aspect of your life, the way you do that is your thinking. You have control, but it doesn't feel like you do. If I want to feel more worthy, happier, more content, more committed to exercise, anything like that, I can create those feelings for myself any day of the week. And you can too, by the way you think. It's intentional thinking for the win. The urge to make these comparisons just adds an additional layer of mind muck to work through to see what's really going on up there in your brain. So you're human, you're fine, but you're hurting yourself. As Bob Newhart once said in a hysterical sketch where he was giving some supposed psychiatric advice, just two words for you, stop it. (laughs) Now, if you haven't seen this sketch, it is a good one. Just stop it. Uh, Anyway, I know that it's not that easy to just stop it. I am just kidding. But please take responsibility for being more intentional about being the queen of your brain domain. You know, I say this all the time. It's really focusing on thinking on purpose and comparing and despairing is a great thing to practice on. I would never tell you to just stop it, <laughs> but you can raise your awareness about what you're thinking when you, when you cave to the urge to compare and despair. I love to use the feeling as your clue. How do you feel when you catch yourself comparing yourself like this? To find out, think specifically of a time that you do it. And it even helps to think about the last time you did it. Really conjure up those details. You compared and you felt bad. What was the feeling? 
Did you feel nervous, less than, insecure, envious, self-conscious, sad? Whatever it was, your feeling didn't come from the thing you were comparing yourself to, the person, the situation, whatever. Your feelings were created by what you made it all mean, what you were thinking about the comparison. The comparison in and of itself is just a factual situation. Let's use salary, for example. Let's say that you and your colleague both had an annual review at work and your colleague got more than you did. Your colleague got a 5% raise and you got a 1% raise. Or your colleague got a $10,000 bonus and you got a $2,000 bonus. Like whatever, it doesn't matter. The raises or the bonus, they're just facts. They don't have any emotional weight attached to them. But what you make those facts mean, that sure does. You might think, it's not fair that she got more than me, for example, which makes you feel, I don't know, disheartened or maybe even angry. Your colleague isn't pissing you off. Your boss isn't pissing you off, but it feels like it. It's your thinking that's creating the whole drama for you. You are hurting yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be pissed. I'm just pointing out where the source of your emotional well-being is, the source of your emotions. If you like your reasons for your feelings, no problem. But if you don't, then this understanding will really help you sort it all out and understand what you can do about it. Now, I see this a lot in the community of entrepreneurs that I'm in too. People start out training together, but have different levels of success during the same amount of time. And it also comes out big time with high school and college reunions. When you all started and or finished together, but arrive at different endpoints on the success ladder. And of course, that's however you define it. It feels like an open invitation to compare. And then there's probably one of the biggest sources of compare and despair around in your lifetime. You know what I'm talking about, the social media app that we all love to hate, Facebook. Oh my God, if that doesn't stroke your urge to compare it yourself to others, what does? (laughs) Of course, except for those amazing animal videos, especially dog rescues. I can't get enough of those or drone footage of whales. I am in heaven. I love Facebook for that. But I have felt this whole compare and despair thing myself. And I've heard of many people deciding to take a break from Facebook because the urge was so strong and the emotional backlash was so hard. This one got skinny or that one got a beach house or that ex-boyfriend. Ugh. The examples go on and on. Again, it feels like Facebook is the problem or the posts on Facebook are the problem, but they're innocent. The way thought awareness and mindfulness work, that is, they're just facts, just posts. They don't have an emotional wallet, but my friend, what you make those posts mean, sure do. The thoughts that you have create the feelings that have the emotional wallop. And it's that thinking, like I said, that creates the way you feel when you compare and then feel bad as a result. Okay, now let's help you out in these situations. Here are four ways to get a handle on your own compare and despair cycle to create less pain for yourself. First, be clear about what's motivating your urge to compare. Is it that you want what they have, like envy or insecurity, like that sort of thing? Or are you comparing yourself because you genuinely want to improve or grow 
in that direction. It's pretty easy to tell the differences based on the way you feel. Let's go back to that colleague example, the one who got a bigger raise than you did. When you heard this news, what did you think about it? How did you feel? Were you angry, maybe even bitter? Did the news bring out every insecurity you had about being an imposter or perhaps a fear that you will never be able to advance in that career? That your skills are never recognized? That sort of thing. Or did the fact of that raise, the 5% raise, the, the bonus, whatever it was, did it make you feel motivated in some way? Perhaps you wondered, oh, it's possible to get a bigger increase or bonus here. There is potential and opportunity. Maybe I can work more closely with that person or my boss to see what I can learn or what I can do so that that result can be mine as well. You can easily see this with with a weight loss example too. Let's say someone in Facebook lost a ton of weight. She looks great. Right away though, you notice the urge to compare. Are you envious that she lost 20 pounds and you failed the last time you tried? Do you think she's a special snowflake and that it was easier for her somehow? (laughs) These thoughts wouldn't make you feel great, that's for sure. Or are you motivated by her success in some way? This sort of thinking that creates motivation is completely different and makes you feel completely different too. You don't feel despair or other types of negative emotion. Technically, it's not really compare and despair. (laughs) It's compare and take care, I think. Take the care you need to take care of you and use this awareness of your feelings and of a potential source of encouragement to your advantage. Do you see what I mean? There's a lot going on with this whole compare and despair thing. Second, use envy for your own good. Envy is basically a longing for what someone else has, their qualities or their luck. So when you compare yourself to what someone else has or their unique qualities and you feel envy, I think it's an amazing time to embrace what you can learn from feeling this way. What if you didn't think of envy as an embarrassing or shameful emotion? What if you just noticed it without judging it? What if you just looked at it as a clue to what you really wanted and use it for good? Do you follow? Let's say your friend buys a retirement property on the beach and you are beside yourself feeling horrible about yourself, your future retirement, your ability to save money, your ability to earn money, all of it. What if you just became really curious about your crazy dramatic reaction and compassionately asked yourself what it is that you really want? What else could you plan or do to create certain elements of that thing, even if you couldn't see how you could have the same thing? For this example, maybe it's simply prioritizing a way to spend more time at the beach or asking yourself better questions like, how can you make that a reality regardless of how much money you've saved or the fact that your husband hates the beach? (laughs) So good, right? Okay, third, notice who you usually compare yourself to. What can you learn from noticing who you spend time comparing yourself to? Is there a pattern? From a compassionate place, ask yourself why you think this is the person. What are all of the elements of this situation that draw you towards making this comparison? Is there a pattern? Is that usually this person? Or is it something that people have in common and it's anything in that category like any of your friends who are already retired or are happy at work, for example? 
Again, see what you can learn from the attraction you seem to have toward comparing yourself this way, and then consider switching up your comparison. Why not compare yourself to the way you used to be? You can think about it in general or be more specific with a time in your life or maybe a certain number of years ago, like five years ago. That's usually a great way to see how far you've come, a much better focus for sure. Anytime you can practice more gratitude, you are winning. And fourth, remember what you don't know. Now, this one might sound like a weird one, so let me explain. We think we know the story behind someone's success, their achievements, or their situation. We think we know the story. Now, I remember I was reminded of this really clearly a few years ago when a prospective client asked me about my income. She was judging my success on her terms in terms of my income level. Now, I asked her an interesting question. What do you think my goals were? She had no clue, of course. She assumed they were her goals. What if I only wanted to work part-time? What if my income doubled in the past year? What was my definition of success? And perhaps I had achieved it, but it had nothing to do with financial success. Like if the focus really was a more flexible work arrangement or an arrangement where I didn't need to work from one place. Maybe I wanted to travel or maybe I only wanted to work three days a week. These are just examples, of course, but I wanted her to realize that she had no clue what my personal goals were. It's the same with compare and despair. You think the person with the perceived win is happier than you are. You think that everything is rainbows and daisies because of the outcome you see on Facebook, for example, and so on. But the truth is, you don't know any of it. You don't know anything about the goals. You don't know anything about the struggle. You don't know anything about that person's investment of time or money, nothing about how many times they may have failed. Do you see what I mean? I'm remembering another time that I learned this lesson really hard firsthand. It was a few decades ago or so, yeah, a long time ago, (laughs) there was this really pretty woman that I used to see all the time at the grocery store. She was always wearing cute workout clothes. She always looked beautiful and completely pulled together. And she had a stunning figure. I, I had all kinds of thoughts. Like, I'm like, oh my God, she looks like this at the grocery store? What's she doing? Why is she able to look this good? She must have just been born this way. That kind of thing, right? Like I said, I had all these assumptions that she was always beautifully fit and she was just gifted her gorgeous body because she was one of the lucky few. I thought this about her for a couple of years. And then one day I saw her at the gym and I didn't just see her at the gym. I saw her walking to the gym and it was a bit of a hike. And then I happened to see her working her butt off at the gym, full on sweat. I was kind of staring at her, really working that beautiful figure. And that taught me a lesson. She wasn't just born that way. She worked her ass off for that figure (laughs) way harder than I was working. You just never know what it takes for people to create the success that they have. Their journey is unknown to you, and it's usually hard work rather than an out-and-out gift. (laughs) Yet you, like the rest of us, compare and despair. You, like the rest of us, get sucked into this vortex of being hard on yourself based on who knows what unsupervised thoughts. They are just stinking up the joint. Now that's an expression my high school band director used to say, and I just love using it when it's appropriate like this. 
So my beautiful friend, let's call a truce on the harsh and judgmental thoughts in your head. Let's step up and practice these awareness techniques so that you really become the queen of your brain domain. Comparing and despairing is a total waste of time. Be curious about why you do it, when you do it, and how you do it, but don't beat yourself up for it. Shift your energy to appreciation and gratitude for your improved thought awareness skills and commitment to mindfulness. You're fascinating. See what you can learn from your amazing self and let it inform you to grow forward the way you want to on purpose. All right, that's it for today's episode. My focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, grab that tiara. Being the queen of your brain domain really is the best way to be. Check out the show notes with more information and links at suzyrosenstein.com. Download my free guide, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s. Head over to www.suzyrosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you want to connect more with me in the future, join the free Women in the Middle Community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation. Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. And if you're ready to finally put yourself first, you can become a first lady. Join my new midlife membership, the Finally First Club. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women just like you who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes you want in your next chapter. We are waiting for you. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.